This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. No LeBron, no AD, no problem? What? Mark Hester with the call ESPN Radio. Lakers beat the Celtics last night on the road in Boston, where the Celtics have only lost three total games this season, 114-105. I could say, yeah, I saw that coming. I, I predicted the Lakers would win yesterday, but I predicted the Lakers win with LeBron and AD. I wouldn't have necessarily thought they would have won without LeBron and AD. Austin Reeves with 32 points. As we are now less than a week away from the NBA trade deadline, it will come your way on Thursday. Of course, all the coverage here on ESPN Radio. Uh, The four-hour NBA Today special that's going on, I believe, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And I think the Lakers are in an interesting spot because we know that LeBron has kind of put out that edict of the hourglass. And this is always the time of year where LeBron makes the passive-aggressive threats, which I'm taking this as... He ain't playing until he gets better people around him. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. DeJounte Murray and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, like those have been some of the names that have been floated around um, over the past several weeks, if not months. And my question to the Lakers organization and the Lakers fan is, is that going to move the needle in terms of making them a contender in the West? Like I still don't see those types of moves putting them on par with the Denver Nuggets, the reigning defending champs, with the L.A. Clippers, who have won, what, 23 out of their last 28 games? The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are 1-2 in the Western Conference standings. Like, you're still not on that level. Well, hell, play, I, play out the hell, trade. I don't even know about. if you're on the level with the Phoenix Suns. No, you're not right so, now. So, so, I mean, if, if that's the case, then why wouldn't you entertain the possibility of making a dramatic move? And, and in my mind's eye, that would be considered trading LeBron James. Now, I get it. You, you don't just trade LeBron you have to work with LeBron in terms of putting him in a position where he can compete for a ring for the next half season in playoffs and put the team in better standing. So if the possibility presents itself for LeBron to opt out of his current contract and rejoin the Lakers at some point next year, then LeBron would be walking into a much more competitive situation with the Lakers. So I just I think that that's probably – the best move for the team, if they're going to make a move next week as opposed to adding, they should be sellers at this year's trade deadline. And it would present better options for them this coming offseason and better options for the team going into the 2024-2025 year. Everything you're saying is right on the nose, but I can't see LeBron entertaining that at all. Maybe it would put him in a position where he could go somewhere else that might be more of a turnkey option to win a championship. But can you really see LeBron wanting to leave the Lakers and leave Hollywood and leave all of his businesses and leave his family and leave all of the fanfare that comes with playing for the Lakers to go somewhere else for a couple months to try to win a championship? That doesn't feel like something he would he would like. No, but the status quo ain't going to let him win a title either. So that, I guess that's the point. Like, if, if the goal is to win another title, and I'm assuming that it is, because he's already – the, the the leader in points scored in NBA history. Like the, the only other thing, like, like the only other thing that puts him closer to Michael is an, is another championship. And so if that ends up being the goal, then the best way to do that with the Lakers organization is to, you know, I, I don't want to say take a gap year, but almost go somewhere else now for the next half season and playoffs and try to win a championship there and allow the Lakers to get assets 
that they can use to put better players around you next year and beyond when you rejoin the team after you opt out of your current contract. Yeah, so again, I I think we got to look at this uh, with a couple of steps here. He has to join, I believe, two teams before he would join the one. But this is where rejoin the Lakers. Here's where it gets interesting. Do we believe him on the Bronny thing? So if LeBron James Jr., Bronny James, enters into the NBA draft after this freshman year at USC, based on his current play, there's no indication that he should be a first-round pick. That doesn't mean he can't project out to be a first-round pick one day. Do I think a team would take him in the first round to get his dad? Yes, I do. Because every single year they have the GM survey in the NBA, and every single year I get bothered by it because the question is always, who would you start your franchise with? And people answer the question of you know Giannis or, or any of the great Embiid, Jokic, whatever. And I always say, well, no. If you're going to ask it that way, you start your franchise with LeBron because he's walking millions. He adds millions upon millions of dollars. So even if you're looking at it and you're like, I don't know that Bronny James is going to be a great player. If you can guarantee that LeBron goes there, you increase your franchise value by so much money. You have to do that because of his presence. So if he's of the belief and the Lakers are of the belief, he may play on a different team next year anyway. That's where this conversation and this hypothetical reckless speculation gets interesting of, hey, like I don't even know if they can have these conversations with them, but you sit down with them. LeBron, do you think we can win a championship as is this year? No. Do you think if we traded D'Angelo Russell and some other guys and we ended up with DeJounte Murray, do you think we could beat the Nuggets? No. Are you serious about playing with Bronny James next year, your son, if he's drafted somewhere else? Yes, that is my plan, to go play with him wherever he goes. Well, at that point, you're on your final year with him anyway. And maybe there is a conversation about the idea of a trade. Again, it's reckless, reckless speculation because the internet was going crazy off of this last night about the concept of maybe possibly the Lakers looking at it this the other way, which I don't think they will. But all of those sign smells point in the direction of there is a chance he's on another team next year. I guess. But also, do you want to be the organization that potentially burns that bridge with LeBron? Like, I know you'd have to have him be cooperative in this, but I I just can't see him ever wanting to have that on the resume that this is the way that or that this would be in any way a bullet point on the resume. And if you're the Lakers, part of being the Lakers is having the stars there. People show up to see LeBron. So I don't know if that would be the best business decision, as you just outlined, Evan, for them to do it either. Maybe from a basketball perspective, you could make the argument. But from a business perspective, to move on from LeBron James doesn't seem like a great idea. It's the Lakers. You think people are going to show up no matter what? They're always going to have stars. But how you treat your stars matter, which is why LeBron would fully have to be on board with this type of move. And a team that I could see entertaining this possibility and that has a hell of a lot of assets is the New York Knicks. Like if you're the New York Knicks, you'd probably have to get a third team involved for the Julius Randle of it all, but you would be able to give the Lakers young players like Mitchell Robinson and Quentin Grimes and a couple of first-round draft picks for a rental. Given where the Knicks are at in the Eastern Conference standings and knowing how close they are, knowing the uncertainty around Joel Embiid and how nobody really trusts the Celtics or the Bucks, why wouldn't you go for it? If you're in the Knicks, you're tied with the Bucks in the win column. Like you, you know, like you have a chance to go for it. If you have a big three, and I don't even want to call it a big three, but if you have Jalen Brunson, LeBron James, and OG Ananobi, you feel good about your prospects of being able to at least get to a conference finals, and from there, who knows? So I think that that's something that Leon Rose and uh, Thibodeau would have to entertain if LeBron James would be willing to come to New York. And I know Knicks fans are tired of hearing the possibility of LeBron coming to yeah. New York, but this is a scenario where it actually makes sense for both sides. Here's the question that I've been thinking about as we've been talking about this. We know, without a shadow of a doubt, the Los Angeles Lakers are doing everything possible to upgrade their team 
and this is weird, by the way, coming off the win last night against the Celtics, but they've been more bad than good so far this year, that they're doing everything they can to upgrade their team around LeBron. I do wonder if anyone has had the guts in one of these meetings to say, okay, we're looking at it this way, just for fun, let's look at it that way. Of trading LeBron, trading AD, being more sellers than buyers, restocking all of the picks long term, with the understanding that if he's being serious about the idea of wanting to play with his son, if his son were to be drafted, that he could leave to go to Jovante's Detroit Pistons if they take Bronny James, number one overall in the draft, right? If he's serious about that, they may lose him anyway. Have they had the conversations about flipping the script on all of this? Do we think yes? No, no, no. So they have. So it needs to be, in your mind, in this reckless speculation hypothetical. There has to be a path for LeBron he comes to rejoin in, the Lakers, yeah. But that's not going to happen. I, I don't. Th- so he comes in and he says, guys, you've presented me all of this stuff. We could trade X, Y, and Z for DeJounte Murray. We could trade A, B, and C for... Uh, DeMar DeRozan, even if we do both of those, we're still not going to beat the Nuggets. And I'm telling you next year, if Bronny's drafted by someone else, I will leave. Let's have the conversation about what's next. Get me back to Cleveland. Get me in CC scenario to the Knicks. But I don't think that's what the hourglass was all about the other night. Yeah. I think the hourglass was more about putting his teammates on notice. Hey, you guys better shape up or ship out. Kind of what he told Kevin Love, like yeah. fit in or fit out. I think that was more about Austin Reeves. D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, you guys stepping up and, and being more well, impactful. They did it last night. Yeah, they yeah. had the, their best win of the season last night without Yeah, but LeBron. I need you to do and it AD. consistently and do it when LeBron and AD are on the court. Like, that, that's what we need. Like, that's the problem. You're inconsistent. And LeBron talked about it after the Rockets loss. He says we can beat anybody in the league, but we can lose anybody in the league. Well, quite literally, you, you, you beat the team that had the best record in the league without your best two players, but you lost to the Houston Rockets, a young team that was under 500. I just that that and then you lost to the Atlanta Hawks, a team that was seven games under five hundred. Come on, man. So to simplify this even further, normally when LeBron James is on your team, we put it at a zero percent chance that a team would ever even think about trading him. Right? Are we in agreement on that? Zero. Are we upgrading that percentage to one percent? Is that in essence the nature of the conversation? So you're saying there's a chance. Correct. Are we going dumb and dumber style? Yes. I think that's fair. Yes. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm comfortable raising it from 0% to 1%. It just makes too much sense. I am at a firm zero. You're still at zero. I'm, I'm comfortable at zero. You're comfortable at zero? Yeah, we'll put this bad boy in park at zero. Okay. J- j- again, just I for mean, fun. there is something to be said for sleeping in your own bed. <laughs> and LeBron ain't you know how many own beds he has? He just got a $9 million condo in Miami. He, I'm sure he's got a place in Ohio still. LeBron James has a lot of own beds, I'm going to guess. Yeah, but I mean, but his, his, fam- family's his family's there. in L.A. Uh, they can come with him. Well, Bronny can't. Bronny's- well, that's true, but he's a college USC, kid. Yeah, yeah you're not going to. I don't think he wants mom and dad to, to be around him at all times. He's a college kid. Let him, be, let him live his life. He doesn't have regular parents. Well, that's true. I guess his parents are pretty cool. Right? <laughs> parents kind of busy. Kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of like having fun with the reckless speculation in my head of going trade machine to the Cavs. Of course you are because you don't like LeBron. You would love to see this happen. No, I think it's, it would be amazing to put him back on the Cavaliers with how good they are this year. Like, And he's exactly what they need. Now, again, you have to give up something to get someone of that yeah, caliber. Yeah. And the Knicks, you throw out there a couple of first-rounders. I mean, the They Lakers, got eight tradable first-round so picks. Even if, even if you trade... Five picks for LeBron James, Rudy Gobert style. You still actually have more picks than most contenders have with three tradable firsts left. Go look at Milwaukee. They got nothing. 
right? Miami has one left. Philadelphia's got a bunch. And, of course, now no, no Joel Embiid with the injury, of course, with the, with the knee. But with LeBron agreeing to come to the New York Knicks, that changes how the Knicks are viewed by star players. Like, all of a sudden, it oh, becomes— Oh, they got to win now and we'll join them. Yeah, yeah, but that's what it is. But I, but I guess my whole point is like Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, they, they've stabilized the franchise. They're not a perennial loser. They're a perennial playoff team now. But if LeBron James gives his seal of approval and says, hey, it's okay for stars oh, to forget come to it. this franchise now. Forget it. Doors open. The floodgates open. Absolutely. And so whatever draft capital that you spend on getting LeBron James, guess what? It's not going to be all of the picks that you have available for you to trade, and you'll be able to get another star via trade this summer. So I guess – that's the other part of it that makes it a win for the Knicks, even if they don't get a championship by trading for LeBron. They get LeBron's seal of approval, which changes their perception around the NBA when it mm-hmm. comes to other stars. And again, let's just be clear on this. Smalls is putting this at 0%. CC and I have upgraded this to a 1% chance. Uh-oh, I'm looking at that face. Are you going higher than 1%? No, I'm saying there's a chance. I don't, I'm not comfortable putting a to? percentage on it. It could be. Are you going three? It could be. Do I see four? Is this an auction block? Do I see five? Anybody five? Anybody five? Five, five, five. No five? No five? No five? We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. (laughs) We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Adam Schefter has just put out there that the Washington Commanders are hiring Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, on balance, did an outstanding job as the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. Over the last three years, they've ranked 7th, 5th, and 5th in scoring defense. The most sacks, the most takeaways. The unit improved a lot when he got there and sustained a high level of play over the course of a long period of time. That's the negative, is Dan Quinn, this hiring being so late, what kind of offensive staff is going to put together? Can they hit on the quarterback? I got my questions. Dan Quinn gets his second chance as a head coach for the Washington Commanders, named yesterday. All right. <laughs> it's fine. It's like it's like when they hired Ron Rivera. Y'all, like, being, y'all being right. hard on old Dan Quinn. No, it's y'all not, being hard it's on It's not him. that. I think, and Smalls has said this, that when Bob Myers was hired to help in this search, the former Warriors executive, now our teammate here at ESPN, there was an immediate thought of, oh, oh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be interesting. Who are they gonna hire that we've never thought this about? This is gonna be good. This is gonna be juicy. Yeah. Who's that assistant coach? They're like, whoa. Who is that former head coach? Who's that low-level college coach that they see something that we don't see? Uh-huh. Are they gonna call Andrew Luck and make him their coach? Which I've made up in my head, right? Like <laughs> all of these things, and it's just like, oh, they called the guy that was pretty obvious to call that's been a head coach before, like. I remember when I was doing uh, University of Miami post-game shows, I did it um, back in the day, and Larry Coker was fired, head coach, won a championship, and they hired a search firm. And I think they paid $25,000 for this search firm. 
And they, the guy that they hired was Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon never left the University of Miami. He was there yeah. for 100 years. I'm like, wait a minute. You paid $25,000 to walk down the hall and get the obvious coach for this gig? That's it great work. That's great work. Yeah, seriously. I got work. an idea. <laughs> you know who you should get? Chris Canty. Well, yeah, he's sitting right here. What do you mean? For 25K. It's, it's an outside of the box yeah, real th- that, yeah. That's what some would say. <laughs> but that's what we thought outside of the box. And it's okay, Dan Quinn. Like, he may do a good job. Great. This one's firmly in the box. This feels like a an unproblematic safe hire. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, he's someone who's been there, done that, taking a team to the Super Bowl. He's had a lot of success in the league. He's he's in the division. He knows the division intimately. He seems like the safe hire, but that is not what I expected from the commanders, given the group that was assembled to find this coach and some of the names that were out there during this coaching cycle. I just I didn't expect them to be the last team off the board to land a coach. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, I like the fact that the organization didn't go for the home run and they just wanted to go with the base hit. Sometimes that's all you need in order to score. And I think when you look around the landscape of the division, look at all of the questions the Dallas Cowboys have around their head coach, Mike McCarthy, and the state of that franchise. Questions around the Philadelphia Eagles. My New York Giants were a dumpster fire this year. A lot of questions around them, what they're going to do at quarterback and head coach. This might be the perfect hire for the Washington Commanders because this is not somebody that's having to learn how to do the job. He's already been a head coach. He's already taken a team to the Super Bowl. From all accounts, he's able to communicate with with players. He's able to relate to them. So I, I love that the hire from that perspective as long as they are checking the box of having a really good offensive coordinator to come alongside him, somebody that can run the offense, but most importantly develop whoever they draft to play quarterback with the second overall pick. And so some of the names that have been floated out there, Chip Kelly, the head coach of UCLA, been an NFL coach at two different stops. And that would impress me if they if they pulled that move. Well, yeah, but that, that would be a good hire. Yes. Somebody that's also had extensive coaching yeah. experience. And then Clint Kubiak, who's the passing game coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers, has been working with Brock Purdy, somebody that also called plays in Minnesota. Like, to me, if you're bringing somebody like that along with him, mm-hmm. then I feel much more confident in this hire, and I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to see that team with the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball and what Dan Quinn has been able to do with defenses contend for the NFC title next year. So Mike Lombardi is a former GM in the NFL, and he joined us yesterday. He uh, has his show on VEASAN as well as a daily coach that he does, and we asked him why Belichick is not employed because he didn't get this job either. Well, I think a lot of it is the guard your desk mentality that resonates in the NFL and the fact that people haven't even interviewed Bill. I mean, can you imagine you're the Washington football team and you're not even going to interview Bill? I mean, seriously, and you're going to send a message to your fan base, we are committed to excellence. The guy's won six Super Bowls. He's the best coach I've ever been around in my life, and I've been around some really great coaches. And his energy level at his age, is far superior to a lot of guys. I mean, so it's kind of interesting. And what does it cost you? If I were Adam Peters, who actually worked in New England, why wouldn't I want to bring Belichick in and at least pick his brain to learn how I could do my job at the highest level? So for me, it's really about protection. So this That last part is a real interesting thing because now it's confirmed that basically none of these teams outside of Atlanta – maybe a little bit Washington, did what Mike Lombardi said. Because while the three of us do not agree on who should hire Belichick, what situations he should be in, like I would have hired him for any of the jobs, you guys would have been more selective, and maybe he, maybe he wouldn't have been their first choice. I think all of us agree that like if you have free access to the greatest football mind to ever exist, 
and you're not at least taking advantage of it for an hour or two, what's wrong with you? That's foolish. You don't. I mean, if you don't want to hire him, you don't want to hire him. But just sitting, what is he going to tank the interview and not tell you things? He's going to want to try to impress you. Or even if, hey, coach, you have a situation like this. How do you normally look at that? I'm just sitting there taking a million notes whether I hire him or not. And then when he leaves, I'm talking to the other people like, what do you think of that? That was interesting. What if we, that, that, we may not do all that, but what about some of that? Maybe we should think that way a little bit more. Also, we didn't do any of that stuff. Also, isn't it a signal to your fan base that we're exhausting every possible opportunity to hire the best coach available? And I think to truthfully say that, you have to interview Bill Belichick. Yeah, but I didn't think Bill Belichick made sense for a couple of situations out there. Like, he doesn't make sense for the Washington Commanders. Like, I didn't think he did. But that's fine. Okay, so play this out for a second. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Fine. Adam Peters is their GM. He started his career, or early portion of his career, in New England. He has to know Belichick in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Even a consultation of, what would your first move be if you were me? But that's taking time away from me going through this coaching search and trying to fill out the rest of my front office staff when I'm trying to compete with these other teams, what, seven other teams that had head coaching vacancies. Like, there, there will be a time and a place for that, especially if he doesn't get employed by another team. So I'll have a chance to talk to Bill Belichick if, if you're Adam Peters. But based on where that franchise is at right now, they, they, they don't need somebody like Bill Belichick that's only going to be around two or three years. They need a coach that can give them a long runway mm-hmm. and somebody that can be collaborative with the front office. Based on what we heard from Gerard Mayo in his press conference and saying that they're not going to operate in silos anymore in New England – we're, it's safe to assume that that's how it was when Bill Belichick was the head coach. Yeah. And that's not necessarily how you want to get this thing started off with a new regime, new ownership, new general manager, and presumably a new head coach. You want to have everybody included so you can get everybody on the same page. And it's not just one, bo- one person overseeing the entire operation. Do you guys think Bill Belichick will be a head coach in the NFL again? No. And I think that this is a really sad ending. But I can't see it. I think his presence will loom, but... I don't know if a team's going to have the guts in season or after next season to say, based on his age, now we feel comfortable doing the full upheaval that it would take to bring him in. I just, I don't see it. I don't. I'm with Smalls. I think it's more likely than not we don't see him ever coach again in the NFL. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I think he gets to the Super Bowl again before any of the eight coaches that were hired this coaching cycle. The okay. one unemployed guy gets there quicker than the employed How much guy. are you going to put in the jar? Because a that's a, How that's, much? I'm not doing 87 like you did. I don't know why you went that high. That's a pretty bold take. Where is our that's jar, bold, by the way? That's a bold take. It's right take. there on the it's wall. It's a bold oh. take, Cotton. <laughs> it's a bold take. I felt so confident in my take that I put $87 on the line. I that's was for wrong. the Chiefs, not making the Super wrong. Bowl. I was wrong. But I feel like you feel very confident that Bill Belichick is not only going to coach again, but win another Super Bowl. Yeah, because I think the job he'll get is with a really good team, not a bad team. I don't think any of the bad teams that made moves – he will get those jobs. I think there'll be a really good underachieving team that'll be ripe for the taking. And I think it's going to happen. Maybe, maybe with the quarterback that one person on this show thinks just a year removed from the Super Bowl could be on a little bit of a hot seat. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Having Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Touchdown Philadelphia. Second of the night for Hurts. I don't know what his ceiling is because he just keeps getting better. He is the most improved passing quarterback I've I've ever ever seen seen in my life. He's a dual threat. There's no doubt about it. 69 yards on a strike from Jalen Hurts. Money is nice. Championships are better. Well, for the first 10 or 11 weeks of the season... We thought maybe, possibly, we'd be heading into the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles playing. That certainly changed as the season progressed. I like a little freeway in the background there. Nice mm-hmm. job, Jovante. Well mm-hmm. done. All right, Cece. I'm, uh, the floor is yours on this because you are, you are ready to present something that I think is gutsy, is risky, and juicy all simultaneously about the Eagles quarterback. Yes. Are you sure you want to do this? Well, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm only bringing this up uh-huh. because of the realities of the contract and the sentiment around the situation in Philadelphia. And anytime you have a collapse like we saw down the stretch where you lose six of your final seven games and you get trounced in the playoffs against an underwhelming Tampa Bay Bucks team, there are going to be questions that come up undoubtedly about the head coach and about the quarterback. And and we all look at Nick Sirianni and we all question what does this guy do well? He doesn't call plays on offense. He doesn't call plays on defense. He, he he's he's in effect a cheerleader. But I guess the other part of this is what do we make of Jalen Hurts based on what we've seen from him in a three year sample size as the full time starter? Is the production in 2022 the norm or is it the outlier? And if it's the latter then could we potentially see the Philadelphia Eagles move away from Draylon Hurts? Now, he has a full no-trade clause in his contract, so I think you always have to bring that up. But in terms of the different mechanisms that the Eagles have placed in the contract with option bonuses and all of this different stuff, there's the potential that they could trade him if the two sides could come to some agreement and if Howie Roseman decided that he's not his quarterback long-term. I can't see it. I'd be utterly stunned. Like, as stunned as I have ever been in terms of a football move, non-Brady Belichick. Just based on the math, and I know you're talking about the idea of restructuring in order to make that happen, the cap hit this year is so 
team friendly at 13.5. The dead cap is 104 million. So, yeah, but that's why you got the option right. bonuses and the the, the, the avoidable yeah, years and all of that different stuff. You'd redo the whole re- thing. Yeah, exactly. But here's why I don't think this is ever going to happen. Because there's somebody in front of him taking the hits. If they ain't what they're supposed to be, Nick Sirianni's bounced. And we may see the greatest interim coach in the history of sports in Bill Belichick take over at that point. If there was no Nick Sirianni, if there was no coach in front of him to take those hits, I would say, okay, if they stink again at the end of the season or for the majority of the season and they're not that good, then maybe we have a conversation about this. But I think Sirianni smells will be blamed for anything that goes wrong this year. Yeah, he seems to be the scapegoat, for lack of a better term. But I also think we're forgetting what we saw out of Jalen Hurts a year ago in the Super Bowl. This guy played out of his mind in the Super Bowl. He threw for 304 yards and a touchdown. He ran for three touchdowns, only the second player ever to run for three touchdowns in a Super Bowl. He arguably outplayed Patrick Mahomes in a losing effort. And then he was banged up this season, and they still won 11 games. There was a lot that was happening, losing both coordinators. Clearly, this offense was not the same without Shane Steichen. But I'm not taking stock of this season and saying that Jalen Hurts is the problem and that if I'm Philadelphia, I want to find a way to even consider moving on from him. Do we think – I know it's going to sound crazy. Do we think Eagles fans would rather start 3-1 and one or 1-3 one and three this year? And the reason I ask that question – Let's use the Milwaukee Bucks and the interim coach thing as an example. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee Bucks made a move thinking, we know what's going to happen at the end. This is not the guy to get this team to the promised land. I think all Eagles fans know this is not the guy to get us to the promised land. But he just got you there. Yeah. I, a year ago, he, he got, got you there. there. Pat Costello, there. Eagles fan, <laughs> would you rather start 1-3 and three knowing that Sirianni would probably get bounced or 3-1 and one thinking that maybe it's going to be losing 6-7 or seven at the end? So starting three and one and firing Nick Sirianni's off the table. Yes, you can't okay. do both. Well, then one and three because I want Nick Sirianni gone. So you'd rather start one and three and get rid of him than three and one and see what your team is going to be. Yes. Think about that. He'd rather start one. They are so convinced that that's not the guy. And and the reason I bring that up is because in your hypothetical of is Jalen Hurts going to get more hits than he did this year from the the public. I'm going to say no because I think everyone will blame the coach. So Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert. Yeah, good one. Good one. Exactly right. Where Now Justin Herbert. Out of excuses. Right. If he's not good this year, it's on him. It's not on the head coach. I think that's a great example. I, I think that Justin Herbert could have thrown the ball backwards and to the other team on every play last year, and we would have blamed Brandon Why Staley. Why did Staley tell him to do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I guess my point about bringing up the Jalen Hurts of it all is because – he is a good quarterback. We'll all acknowledge that. But he's making great quarterback money. He's making $51 million a year. So the question is, how good can Jalen Hurts be while we transition away from some veteran players that have made up the core of the team that has been a championship contender going back to 2017? Like, like you're potentially moving away from Jason Kelsey. You're potentially moving away from Fletcher Cox. You got a lot of young guys on the on the defensive line. You might have to move off of James Bradbury this offseason because he looks washed. We don't know what's going to happen with Darius Slay. We don't know what's happening at your safety position. Kevin Byard, the guy you traded a second-round pick for, went bust this year. He was, he was a non-factor. So there are a lot of pieces that you are moving away from, and my question is how good can Jalen Hurts be in order to buoy this team and keep them as a title contender while you retool on the fly? 
the answer to that question should inform how they move forward. And I guess based off of this season, I don't have that confidence that I did once upon a time that Jalen Hurts is a lock to maintain Mm -hmm. this franchise's status as a Super Bowl contender while they're doing that. I think he can be great. I really do. And I think he can make up for that. I think that is that is the now $50 million question with all these quarterbacks, right? Okay, so if you make 50 and you have A players around you, making you're making 10 now, A players around you, you go to 50, you now have B players around you, can you make them A players? Jalen Hurts is somebody I would say yes to. Tua, let's use him as an example. He has A players around him, right? We're in agreement on that? Yes. At a lot of positions, if you put him at 50 and have B players around him, I don't think he's making the B players A players. That's how I look at it. Dak Prescott, I think, can make B players A players. I think Smalls thinks Brock Purdy can. CC is to be determined. Not yes nor yo, no yet. Let's see, right? I look at Jalen Hurts and I say, if you downgrade A.J. Brown, if you downgrade Devontae Smith, if you downgrade all the players, the veteran guys you just brought up, and you get B-level guys, I still think he can be great. I hear you. I really do believe I, I, I in this guy. I hear you, but I, I also got to say this, and just to push back, if we're going to give Josh Allen the smoke for turning the ball over, then we got to do the same thing for Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. This dude had 20 turnovers this year. Yeah, we do. You're right. 20. And we recognize from a physical talent standpoint, he don't have what Josh Allen got. And he's making $51 million a year. But he's been to a Super Bowl. I, I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. But I guess my question is, when you're moving on from this core of players – and when you're going to have to go cheaper because of your quarterback salary, is Jalen Hurts going to be enough to keep this franchise as a Super Bowl contender while you're retooling the rest of the roster? That's the part of it that I don't know, and I don't have conviction on right now. I, I would have said last year coming off of the Super Bowl, emphatically, yes. Mm-hmm. But I can't unsee what happened in the last two months of the regular season in the playoffs. And that's what gives me cause to pause. Now, we can chalk it up to injury. We can chalk it up to dysfunction behind the scenes. But if your quarterback is that dude, he's supposed to be the ultimate deodorant and cover up all of those things. He's supposed to mask those deficiencies, those issues. And Jalen Hurts didn't do that this year. Think about it. You lost six of your final seven games. It was a spiral. And your quarterback couldn't pull your team up out of that nosedive. It's a problem for me, especially when he's making what he's making. I know he wasn't the only one. I also think he definitely was banged up. I don't agree. I don't agree with the overall premise, but I will say this. Just to add, I'm now going to take the, your side against myself here. <laughs> what an interesting move I'm pulling here. Here's your an add-on to your argument. If you're Howie Roseman, the GM, and you're saying to J- Jeffrey Laurie, the owner of the team, no, no, we got to move on, I, whatever. I found you, Foles, got us to a Super Bowl. I found you, Hurts, got us to a Super Bowl. I can find you the next guy. Like, he has yeah, proof but the of pro- concepts. But the, but the problem with that is you paid Carson Wentz great quarterback money. Right. You had to move off of him. You paid Jalen Hurts great quarterback money. You had to move off of him. Stop paying these damn quarterbacks. Wait, so now you're taking my side <laughs> and I'm taking <laughs> no, your no, side. No, I'm just saying <laughs> stop paying these. Like, if we're going to move off of him after a year after paying him, why are we paying him? That's, That's an fair. indictment on the GM. I hear but the market, the market dictates that. I mean, you think that, okay, we'll get this done now to avoid it being a bigger bill down the road if he continues to play well. Coming up, CeCe's LeBron theory has gained some steam, well, at least with the rules and regulations. We'll talk about that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. 
and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Here's Hart spinning on Siakam. Fires across. Brunson. Right wing three. Ties the game at 91. JV's an all-star. 11's an all-star. As my good friend Harry Douglas says, that boy bad. The call courtesy of 98.7 in New York. Knicks Radio Network. Monica McNutt singing on that. That was damn good. Well done by you. And she gave Thank Harry you. Douglas a shot. And yeah, yeah, Harry, that's right. It, was, it felt very appropriate in that moment. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. All right. A lot to get to with you on the NBA right now. Of course, ESPN NBA analyst, Knicks analyst as well. So let's start with that team. How good are they? Uh, you know, Evan, I, I think this team is really legit. Obviously, health. I don't think you have to make that disclaimer. For any team, health is a huge impact. But... Even the losses to the Bucks so far this season, they played them 50-11 times between the in-season tournament and their early season schedule. The Bucks have not seen this version of the Knicks since the calendar year, since the trade, frankly. Um, this team is really, really good. I, I will bet on Jalen Brunson over and over again. He is a winner. He hears all the noise. He is undeterred. He has figured out a way to be a guy of incredible impact in this league. Uh, the addition of OG Ananobi, who wasn't available last night, which made last night's win even more impressive in terms of the grit that the team displayed but he fits right into the tip system, a terrific defender, a great cutter, uh, just simple yeah. heady playmaker for the guy. And even in, for the guys, and even in the absences as they navigate these injuries, Precious Achua is playing big-time minutes. He had a terrific game last night. Isaiah Hardenstein is a nightmare on the glass. Deuce McBride came off the bench and played very, very valuable minutes, particularly in that fourth quarter. And so for me, guys... In the dog days of February, which we all know that you have in the NBA as you push toward the All-Star break, an opportunity to refresh, this is a team that is growing through the grit. And I just think it's so impressive. I have not seen this from this organization in a while. So, Monica, I have a working theory around the New York Knicks, and this is on the reckless (laughs) speculation spectrum. But the New York Knicks, because they're tied with the Milwaukee Bucks, second with most wins in the Eastern Conference, Mm -hmm. I I just – I'm curious to know from your perspective if this makes sense. So LeBron, when he throws out the hourglass, everybody's going to go crazy mm-hmm. in terms of what, what that could possibly mean in interpreting that. So rather than the Lakers being buyers at the trade deadline, could there be a possibility of LeBron James in the Lakers getting together and trading LeBron to a contending team? knowing that he has a player option this offseason and he can get back with the Lakers this summer. So. I, I'm just throwing that out there, and one of the possible teams that I thought could make some sense based on where they're at is the New York Knicks. So let me address this two parts. First, (laughs) and shout out to Knicks fans. They've been tremendous. They've welcomed me to New York like no other. I saw the tweet 
rolling through Nick's Twitter two days ago. This is the type of team that a big-time free agent wants to join and be the missing piece. So, yes, LeBron James or whoever, right? Like, this, this t- way this team is playing is attractive, and many folks are looking at as a group on the cusp. So, yes, LeBron, DeMar, I mean, whoever is may be available in terms of key big-time free agents, absolutely, this team is attractive. As far as the Lakers are concerned, they are backs against the wall, in my mind, in terms of a move that sets them up for their future. Trying to add to this roster at this point, I just don't know what piece is going to move them closer to their goals. And so it would make more sense to be sellers. Sign me up for that. LeBron in New York. Sign me up for it. I take it. 100%. But from a business perspective, could you ever see the Lakers doing that? Because that's where I stop short. Michelle, I don't – they need to. I I think they need to. Now, do I see them doing that? I'm not sure. And and I don't know – as much as we marvel at LeBron and how incredible he has been over two decades, he's also very, very smart. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think that there's something that happens for these incredible NBA players in their lives when they get to places that they want to be. He loves L.A. He's got multiple businesses. His son is at USC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wants to move. Is the basketball still the 1A thing in terms of the sacrifice that his family would also make alongside of him if he were to be traded across country? I, I don't know the answer to that. But goodness gracious, y'all, it's hard to deny the basketball sense of it. Yeah. Monica, you said something that I really want to dive in on because it's such an interesting thing, that this is the kind of team as regards to the Knicks that superstars would want to join. And this works for every team in the league. Superstars in many ways want to join teams where other people can do the dirty work until they have to do the dirty work, right? Like KD wanting to join the Warriors is because Draymond will always guard the best player and Clay will always guard the best player. The Knicks have a bunch of those guys, and I don't think people focus on that enough. You need to have the guys that do the other stuff for me to want to join you if I'm a star. Well, I think that's true, Evan, but I also think that the Knicks have... they got two All-Stars this year, and those two guys have been really good. But when you talk about Jalen Brunson, there is something to be said for a point guard that your star can also come run run alongside, right? Like, Jalen Brunson has unlocked this New York Knicks team, and he's so humble. He'll say... Individual accolades are a byproduct of team success, which is true. But this team success is damn sure a byproduct of his individual success. And so, yes, I'm with you. But we also see that we are past the one superstar place maybe in the league. Um, I think the Knicks have a chance to shake it up because of their defense and because they have two all-stars. But how do you not want to play alongside that guy? Like, how do you? Who, who doesn't want to play alongside? But it's that guy? OG that I would want to play with. That too. That's the guy for me. That too. I mean, and you could say the same thing about Isaiah, who could care less about the yeah. points he scores, but just going to give you twelve rebounds casually. I think last night he might have finished. He finished with over fifteen. It might have been sixteen. The whole, the entire. Now, the one thing I will say, Evan, and I have, I love Coach Tom Thibodeau. But there is a way that he does things. And so, okay, you want to be a star. Like, it's not going to be all roses. Let's play offense. Like, there is a way that this New York Knicks team operates. And I think the force that they play with on defense is what makes them somebody that teams will not want to see when we start getting to series in the postseason. How concerned should the Sixers be about the Joel Embiid situation? Very. What does that mean for them long term with Embiid's future with the team? So as a, as a neutral basketball person, as a national basketball person, I want to see the process pan out, right? And so I, I respect that. And you never want to see guys having – you don't want to see guys get injured, but particularly not guys having historic years. To me, the plan is you're not going to play 65 games. We're going to get you as healthy as possible for, to make this push in the postseason. Joel Embiid, prior to the season, and I believe our colleague Tim Bontemps has reported that – He's not crazy about another MVP. He's trying to get the team championship. No doubt. And so 
because the windows of opportunity, sincere windows of opportunity, are so fleeting, I know our guy Perk wants to shut him down all season. Can't shut him down all season because there's no guarantee you're this good again next year. But you shut him down enough that you focus on the postseason? Yeah. Like, that's where I'm at. And I, and I don't think, at least the murmurings that I've heard being around, I don't think that he is unhappy. And I think the question in terms of the big, the big picture future is what is a better fit? And I, I think he's in a great position in Philly. Like, I think he's in a great position in Philly. He's just got to stay healthy. The 65-game requirement for MVP, a lot of people talking about that this week. What's your take on it? Do you think the NBA should amend that or look into it, or do you think it's fair? Uh, I think it's fair. Um, Jason Tatum said last night after their loss to LeBron-less and AD-less Lakers, it's a bad day at the office, right? Mm -hmm. And it just kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, like I don't have unlimited time off at my job either. (laughs) There's a consequence, right? That's what CC and I have been talking about. (laughs) It's crazy. There's a consequence. I also think, I do think that we have framed this conversation inaccurately. This is not a byproduct of just players saying I'm not going to play. We could probably count on our hand the type of guys that have the cachet to say that. This is a byproduct of, okay, we're resting. Even if you want to date it back to Pop, shout out to Pop, the Hall of Fame, the legend that he is. And then it became, oh, okay, the tracking device in your shirt says you need to rest. It became a culture that the medical staffs, the front office, and the coaching staffs were all complicit in. So this is not just about players. This is right-sizing for everybody. I've had coaches tell me, like, they're ready to work out with a guy, and it's a young dude. And he's like, oh, they told me I can't work out today, or, like, I'm, I'm down today, I'm resting today. That is the culture that was established. That wasn't necessarily that player saying, I'm not going to play. And so I do think it's a tough pill to swallow. But the flip side of it, for a guy that plays 75 games or makes it to 80, should he have to compete with a guy that only played 65 or less than 65 for the same awards? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it worked. it's a two-sided thing in my mind. And so I know it's a tough pill to swallow. It's a point of conversation, and rightfully so. But life's tough. We got about 30 seconds with the ESPN NBA analyst Monica McNutt here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Give us one team to keep an eye on from now until the trade deadline. Um, ooh, trade Good deadline? or bad, seller or buyer, doesn't matter. Well, I see. I'm kind of into my teams that I think are just gonna are gonna hold quietly. I think Cleveland's playing really good ball, mm. so maybe they add Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert. They have they have dollars to potentially use to add. My dream scenario, Evan, real quick, if I can throw this in, is uh, if Mikel Bridges becomes a Nick. I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't but, think it's uh, going yeah. to us. <laughs> All eight first rounders it probably would take for that to happen. Monica, great job. Thank you so much. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.